0: You're tuning in to the Navigating Tech Life podcast. Hear the untold stories from the everyday tech worker. Your hosts, Ace and Aaron, have been through it all. Failing startups, acquisitions, IPOs, good and terrible investments, and maintaining a life outside of work. Learn about their findings in business, startups, investing, and more. And meet the individuals with unique experiences through bonus interviews. Navigate your own every day with something new learned in each episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Navigating Tech Life podcast. In this episode, I'm joined by my co-host Aaron, and we're going to talk about job hunting. We're going to talk about some resume best practices, how to leverage your network to land an interview, as well as some insight into the internal process that uh, companies have when it comes to interviewing and hiring candidates. So Aaron, you know, in this episode, we're going to talk about job hunting, resumes, you know, leveraging network and and all of those kinds of things. Maybe a good place to start in this episode is with the resume. Do you have any thoughts on like resume best practices, maybe some do's and don'ts for the listeners?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I, I think when it comes to resumes, It's really important to be concise because when you think about it from like the recruiter's point of view, they're looking at, you know, hundreds of these a day and yours needs to stand out in some way. And so gone, I think gone are the days where resumes are, you know, pages long, right? Three, four pages long. I think in, in today's day and age, it's really important to keep it to one page. That's like the general rule of thumb, at least in the tech space um and instead of focusing on what you did, you know, tasks and things like that at a company, it's really important to actually highlight your accomplishments. And the real difference maker there is you want to show like that you've done a role successfully, and in order to show that, it's it's by pointing out what your accomplishments are, right? So, I'll give you an example uh on a sales resume for example. You don't you don't need to say you know, I prospected into new accounts, I closed business, you know I made cold calls uh instead, you wanna say something like i you know was two hundred percent of quota last year. I landed you know four marquee accounts that the company was going after, and if you want to list like specific names that are exciting, you could do that too, but you know you're kind of seeing the point i'm I'm trying to get at where you're really pointing to specific things versus saying like, it's just a bunch of jargon to fill up a a piece of paper.
0: Yeah, those are great points. Really focus on the output, like what the, what, what you actually accomplished instead of everything that went into what you accomplished. Great points. Great points. Um, for me, you know, I guess, so I have a good friend who is a recruiter inside of Facebook and she, she said the one pager is the way to go. The one page resume is the way to go. I, and I asked her, I said, well, is it ever okay? Or does it ever make sense to have like a two-page resume or or even a three-page resume? Like, because that's, you know, you said earlier, God of the days, I mean, resumes used to be like an entire uh, history of someone's like work experience and everything they'd done. So they they were like two or three pages. She said, she said no. She's like, maybe in the case where you have like a bunch of patents or something and you want to list them because they're pertinent to the role that you're applying for, maybe. But she said, always try to keep it to one page. So I agree with that. One page is easier and it's just more efficient, right? It's cleaner, it's more efficient. There's a couple other things that come to mind for me. So one is, you know, it might be important for our listeners to know that a lot of these companies use automated screening tools to pick up keywords. And so you have to be very like conscious of the keywords that you're putting in your resume. So they have like these, I don't know what the, the terminology is, but it's almost like it's just this automated program that like pre-screens the resume before it even gets to human eyes. And so you have to maybe structure or build your, your resume in a way that it will get through that, that automated gatekeeper. So what I've done in the past, which I think might help for getting through the automated gatekeeper, is if I'm applying to a very specific company role, right? Let's say I want to work at company XYZ. I see the job posting online. I will read through their job description. I'll read through the responsibilities, the requirements, et cetera. And I will tailor my resume to that job description. So I will use the same language and terminology that they use to describe the same thing, right? Because a lot of times there's, more than one way to describe or say, you know, a skill set or a program or something that you've accomplished, but I'll look at the terminology that they're using in their job description, and then I'll modify my resume for that before I submit my, my resume. So those are maybe some do's and don'ts from, from my end.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I like that point because I think, you know, if you, if you really, first of all, I think you should be applying the positions that you, you know, actually care about applying to like, I know a lot of people who apply to just like everything that they can see. And I I think that was a strategy of the past. But I think in today's world, you really have to, you know, you have to show the company, especially if you're getting in without knowing anyone, right, you're just kind of going the normal path of trying to get into that company, you have to show that you are qualified for the role, but also that you're interested in the company. I think your advice of like looking at the job description and seeing what terminology that they use, I think that's a really, really good point uh, because not only is that gonna, you know, get you past that that gatekeeper, uh, but I think it'll also show, you know, when it gets to a, a human eventually, it'll show them that you're, you know, actually interested and qualified for that type of position. It, it'll make them want to schedule that first call with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. On that note, I I don't want to get like too
0: far ahead of ourselves because we may talk about this later in the episode, but Mm -hmm. research the company because at at some point in your interview process, somebody's going to ask you, why do you want to work at this company or what do you know about this company? Sooner or later, someone will ask you in that process. If it's like early in the process and the recruiter asks you, then it's, you know, maybe it's okay to say like, oh, I don't really know much, right? Like you guys reached out to me, for example, but if you get later on and you're interviewing with like an executive and they say like, well, what do you know about our company or why do you want to work here? You better know about the company and you better have a good reason on why you want to work for that company,
1: right? (laughs) So. Absolutely. And and, and that gives you things to put on a cover letter too, right? If you're submitting a cover letter to a role that you're applying to, you really want to show that like, you know maybe where they're at as a company or what they're trying to do and kind of align with that mission or whatever it is in some way, uh, I think that will also just increase your odds of your your whole resume looked at. Get-go. Yep. What are some ways that you think are practical to kind of look for a job in, in today's dating?
0: Good question. So there's so many places to look for a job. There's so many ways to go about it. So, you know, companies... If they have an open role, there's uh, a lot of different platforms that they're using to advertise that role. And so those are the platforms that I would look on. So th- there's LinkedIn, there's external recruiting agencies that they use. Maybe they'll go to an agency partner and say, hey, you know, we have uh, this job opening, find us somebody, right? Those are the type of folks often where if you're working in the tech industry, you're getting like, bombarded by emails and phone calls, like on a daily basis, if you're in a role that's in demand, that means that there's a lot of companies that are looking for people like you. And so those recruiters are just constantly like trying to get you to interview at that company, or there's internal recruiters that work at the company themselves. And so, yeah, there's like a ton of different places to look, you know, to my previous comment, if you're working in tech already. And you're either working at a well-known company or a successful startup, and or you have a skill set that is high in demand. More often than not, you don't have to look very hard. And I, I don't I, I don't want that to like come off wrong or sound bad, but I mean it in the sense that companies are competing for talent so hard that that those recruiters or those internal recruiters will reach out to you and say, hey, I'm going to pitch you on this idea, on this, uh, not idea, on this company. Um, are you willing to talk to us or interview, right? So if you're in that, that position, it's much better. I think you're in a better position. But if you're in the position, let's say you're new into tech or you just graduated college and maybe you're looking for your first or second tech job, um, then I would say, yeah, LinkedIn. There's a website, I think it's called Angel List, which is like a startup uh caters to startups and investors for startups and job seekers in startups. And then also like the, I think the the best, if you're able to pull it off is if you know somebody at a company that's willing to give you like an internal referral uh, for a position. Um, I think most companies tend to put, put some weight on that. Like, hey, our existing employee recommended this person. So let's at least give them a, a phone screen, you know?
1: What do you think? I think where you look should be dependent on what type of company you're looking to join. So I I think like for me, when I'm, if I'm not like in a, I mean, I've been in in places in my career where I know we're going to have some kind of layoff and I'm going to have to be looking for a job. So like that's going to make my search a lot different than, you know, if I'm already in a position and I I know I want to look elsewhere. But I think at the top of the list, like you said, having a referral in is your best path in. Uh, But I think it's important to know where you would like to work, right? If there are a few companies that you know you really want to, you know, you'd be happy there and you really want to join that company, I think it's always best to start with like a list of companies that you really enjoy and want to want to work at because that'll make your search a lot easier. A, you're already going to know about those companies probably because you're like them. But also, you know, you don't have to start scrolling on job boards constantly because you know the specific employer that you would want to join. But while we're on the on the topic of employee referrals, I would say that this is not the maybe not the easiest, but the maybe it is the easiest way to to kind of join join a company, right? Because when you get a referral, that person who's referring you is vouching for you internally. And especially if it's within that person's team, they can get you straight to the hiring manager, which Mm. is a huge step because for one, it's going to save you a lot of time. But also if they're already further into the hiring process, you have a much better shot just because of the timing. You know, usually the main path, you have to go through the recruiter you know, have a call with them, then they'll schedule you with the hiring manager. Then you start going into the panel and stuff like that. But when you get a referral, generally, you can can typically get onto the desk of the hiring manager, right? And then the other piece is employees of companies are also incentivized to refer people, right? Because they, you know, they'll get bonuses. It makes them look good if they refer good people who join the company. You know, that just makes you look really good. So like there's incentive both ways for the referral side. An employee referral, you can also use that to your advantage, right? Because now you have someone on the inside who could actually give you the lay of the land, even if they're not on the team that you're applying for. You can leverage that person and have them, you know, show you the hierarchy, who's who, maybe tell you a bit about what's important to the company, what they're saying in the all hands meetings, like all of that kind of information can be super valuable in your interview process. So make sure you, like, if you have, if you know someone, maybe even like you're not that close with that person, it's still worth asking them to at least tell you a bit about the company. Most people would be willing to help you at least with, with something like that. What do, you, what do you think about referrals? That's a great point.
0: Um, having an employee referral, uh, especially if they're on the same team or the same in the same org at the company, it's like a fast track to the hiring manager's desk. Um Yeah. Just like you said, you don't have to go through all of the like standard process. Let's talk more about the process later in this episode for sure, because that's that's valuable to the listeners. But yeah, you're you're totally right. It's like a fast track. Um, And then I almost feel like at that point, it's not so much about what's on your resume. It's about how you interview. You know, if you get an employee referral, they know that you already kind of match the skill set of what's needed. And so the hiring manager might glance over your resume and say, like, okay, yeah, this person has the skills, just like their acquaintance or friend or ex colleague said, oh, let's get them on. We'll have an interview. And then from there, it's like, how do you interview? Another thing that I wanted to mention is for, for listeners who are in the position where they're starting to look for a job, keep in mind that a lot of those job descriptions are a wish list. Um, it's like the perfect ideal candidate so if they list you know 10 or 12 skills that are necessary or if they list you know the required experience is three years but you only have two years um don't close your browser apply like apply to that job because you never know and and the reason I say it's a wish list is because this may sound weird, but you know, I've I've been in tech for a long time. I've interviewed at a lot of companies. I've interviewed people to hire them at companies that I'm working with, and the whole applying and interviewing process, it's almost like a uh, dating. Do you know what I mean? You have to like get a feel for this person, like what is their history? What is their background? Like where do I think our future can go together with them at on my team or at our company? And so, I would think like the way I look at it is like when they're typing up their job description of what they want in a candidate, it's almost like a like a dating profile. Like this is what my perfect partner would be, right? Yeah, I got married before dating apps were a thing, but I imagine like, you know, you would you'd kind of like type up your ideal partner, right? If you find somebody or find a candidate that meets a lot of those requirements, except for maybe like one or two, well, you know what? Maybe we're going to compromise a little bit. Maybe we realize that perfect candidate isn't out there and this is the next best thing and we're gonna take a chance on this person, right? So that happens all the time. So treat treat the job description and
1: requirements as a wish list. And if you think that you have at least 50% of that, apply. I agree, and I, I also think, and I've seen this happen before, where someone who maybe is a bit more junior applying to a role, maybe doesn't get that job, but if that if the hiring manager likes you enough, there's a chance that they'll also create, you know, a smaller role, like, you know, whatever one level below so that they can hire you. Or they may say, if it's a bigger company, they may say, hey, for this side of the company, like, I'm sorry, you're not a fit, but honestly, like, I want to refer you to this other manager that I know is hiring for someone a bit more junior. And, you know, Mm -hmm. that can open up doors for you as well. So I think no matter what, you know, you're You miss 100% of the shots you don't take, right? If you don't apply, then you'll never get that job. So apply. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Yes, you're totally right. And on like to your point, I actually experienced that once. I was interviewing at a startup one time and they were looking, um, I forget what role they were looking for. I think they were looking for a solutions engineer, which is quite a technical role, but it didn't specify any of the technical requirements so i applied anyways and i interviewed with them and i told them in the interview i told them like hey actually based on your your questioning i don't think that i'm technical enough for this role you know so it might not be a good fit i'm just going to stop this here i was the one to do that um and they called me like a week later and said hey yeah you're right like you were to get fit for that role but we're actually going to create a role at our company just for you because we think you'd be a good fit at our company like culture wise, um, and, and skill set wise on the customer, uh, facing side of things. And they literally created a role for me through me interviewing for a job that I wasn't qualified for. So for the listeners out there, like that's, I mean, that's real world. That happens in the real world. So don't sell yourself short. So, okay. Aaron, let's talk about. For potential job seekers out there, what do they need to do to best position themselves? Like, let's say they're starting a job search or about to start a job search. Um, What can they do to make sure they're in the best position possible to succeed in that that job search?
1: One thing immediately comes to mind, which is LinkedIn. So I think a lot of people are anti-LinkedIn. But to be honest with you, at the end of the day, it's a really important piece of your like profile as a candidate, right? Uh, because LinkedIn is where folks can go to kind of get your summary outside of like, just looking at a piece of paper about it's kind of more interactive and it's a way to see kind of what you've participated in. Maybe if you're active on the network. Mm. So in terms of like getting your LinkedIn profile ready, one of the things I learned uh, a long time ago was the importance of having a picture on your LinkedIn. It makes your profile more personable. And people may laugh at this, but like there's there's science that says if you're smiling in your picture, it it's also even better for you know the way people might perceive you. So if you look at my LinkedIn, oh, interesting! Picture, I have a big smile on my face. Now I'm going to look to see if I'm smiling in my picture. Well, you're smiling right now, so we could take one of you and put it on. Your, okay. Okay. Your Screenshots. So yeah, one have a picture because it'll just make you more relatable. I think right off the bat, the other piece is to make sure that your profile matches what's on your resume. Cause if there's massive discrepancies between the two, you know, that, that could make someone question how valid what you're putting on your resume really is. The other thing that I think that people look at too is, is maybe not so much how many connections you have, but that you have <laughs> connections because, uh, you know, it means that you've added former colleagues, maybe you've added friends, maybe you've added prospects that you've, or customers that you've worked with in the past. You know, it's important to have like, to show that you're active on on LinkedIn, right? It's a, it's a pretty important yeah. piece in today's day and age. Make sure that you're posting because, you know, people who post, when a recruiter can read your posts and see the things that you're kind of talking about, maybe that you're contributing to an area that's of relevance to the role that you're applying in or the industry that you're applying to, you know, that can show you that you're a thought leader, maybe in that, in that area or that at least, you know, the community well, you know, all of those things are positives. So I'm not saying you have to necessarily like post every day or whatever, but I think if, if there's some activity to follow, you have a better shot at getting a job. And then the other piece, the last piece I'd say on the LinkedIn uh, side is recommendations. I think they're called. So ha- having like people write things about you that you can actually display publicly. I, I actually use this to show like how my former, what my former managers would say about me. So in my profile, you can see like from jobs a few years ago, dating back to like my first job, you can see like recommendations well, that have been written for me. Yeah. I don't know how, how much those are leveraged, but if I could think of things that are important, I'd say that's, that could be one of them too. Yeah, no, I,
0: with the LinkedIn thing, I could tell you've given that a lot of thought and everything you're just saying makes total sense. I actually remember when I first got into tech, so this is probably back like 2009 or 10. So about, I don't know, 12, 12 years ago now, I didn't have LinkedIn. And I sp- I remember the moment that I got LinkedIn because I went out to, my wife and I went out to dinner with my aunt and uncle in downtown Los Altos, we were having dinner, and my uncle, he, he's been like a a sales guy in tech for you know a long time, years and years and years, and he's the one that told me to get a LinkedIn. He's like, "Hey, you're no longer you know a a janitor or a security guard. You need to be on LinkedIn. You need to be interacting with people on LinkedIn. It'll help you in your career, like as you progress in your career." And that night after dinner, I went home and created a LinkedIn account. So. Kudos to my uncle for recommending it to me. And you know, as I look back over the past 10 or 12 years, most of the, most of the jobs that I've got over that time were
1: recruiters reaching out to me through LinkedIn. What are, yeah. uh, what are some other ways that you think someone can like prepare themselves for job hunting? There's a couple of things. So one, I would say step one, get the resume
0: ready right? So we gave you some t- tips earlier in the episode on resume. So get the resume ready. So you're hundred percent confident in that. Obviously double check it for typos and make sure your emails correct and your phone number correct. All that good stuff. LinkedIn. If you don't have the LinkedIn profile, make one. I would say to Aaron's point earlier, make one and start engaging with people, add connections, engage with connections on LinkedIn. Because the recruiters or hiring managers or potential interviewers, they will more often than not check your LinkedIn profile before they interview you. That's almost like a standard practice. Like if I'm ever interviewing somebody, I'll check their LinkedIn first. Just to see, right? And you mentioned about the picture, like you wanna see, okay, tell me, like I wanna get a feel for this person, right? So yeah, it's very common to to do that in the industry. So that covers resume, that covers LinkedIn profile. Another good one, a good thing to do beforehand is references. So if a company makes you an offer, they're going to want to check some references. So I would get in touch with the, the the folks that you plan to use as a reference, get in touch with them beforehand and say, hey, just a heads up, I'm interviewing at a company. Is it okay? You know, I would ask permission. I wouldn't say I used you as a reference. I'd say, hey, is it okay if I use you as a reference? If they agree and say yes, then say, okay, I'm interviewing at a company, I'll use you. You might expect a phone call or an email in the next couple of weeks, you know? Just be honest about whatever they ask you. Get those references like sort of nailed down because you don't want anyone to be surprised uh, about getting a phone call for a reference for you. Because sometimes those, sometimes the reference calls or emails are like very quick. It's like, hey, did you work with this person? Yes. Would you hire them again? Yes, were they a good teammate? Yes, or whatever. But then sometimes it's like very drawn out. Like it's a list of like 25, 30 questions. Like what are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? Like where could they improve? So some of them are very, very in depth um, and you don't wanna catch somebody off guard with something like that. So give them a heads up ahead of time. And I think those are like the three main things off the top of my head that can sort of, as a job seeker, you can position yourself I just kind of mentioned references in preparing yourself. So maybe let's unpack that a little bit. We can dive a little deeper into references, like who to use or who not to use. For me, I'm I'm kind of weird in a way. Like I'm very particular about who I use for references um and I'm very particular about referring people to join a company that I'm working at. I I I rarely refer people because I I know that I'm putting my reputation on the line. And if they don't do well, I'll take it personally. I'll feel like I personally failed. But um, when it comes to references, yeah, I'm very particular about who I use. Um, A lot of companies will, you know, the weird thing is, is companies have different requirements. So some companies will say, just give us three references. Like we don't care who they are, just give us three. Some companies will say, we want one previous manager, one previous teammate. Um, or something like that, right? So I would say just as a general rule of thumb, it would be good to have, you know, in your sort of, what's the term, in your Rolodex, right? <laughs> It'd be good to have an ex-teammate or two that you have a good relationship with, as well as a, a previous manager or either direct manager or like a manager of your manager, you know, like an executive I would say if you could have some of those like that you could be able to to call upon,
1: that'd be helpful. What are your thoughts there, Aaron? I've always had like a rule of thumb for myself. So even for the companies that ask for just three random ones with no specific criteria, I always try at least to have at least one of my references be someone who used to manage. And I, I think, you know, for one, I think it's important to be able to show now, even though reference the reference process is kind of a formality more than anything at least that's what it's kind of become uh, I think it's important to you know have someone be a reference for you who can who can really speak to like what your real strengths are and what your weaknesses could be right or or maybe were back then and you know that you improved since then or something like that. but I think someone who's managed you is gonna know you quite well just because of you know having to be your leader at some point in time. I always, one of my three, and it's usually three, I think that they ask for. Uh, one of my three is always a former manager, my other two. So one, and I I have like a, a small group that I pick from typically, or that I have picked from over the years, but the other for the cohort, I would say the most important is to find people who you can actually depend on to be a reference because I've seen so many cases, and I've experienced myself, you know, as someone who ha- has hired at a company before. You know, people giving references, and half of them sometimes say, "Like, well, like we re- we didn't really work that closely together," you know. So, I you know, I don't really know what to say for that question, or they may not even be able to take a call. So, like that step we just talked about, you know, getting your references ready and primed for, you know, expecting a call that's a really important piece because you don't want that to be the thing that delays your process of starting at that at that new job right i mean you're kind of at the tail end of things when you're at the reference par- portion of it so those are kind of my at least some general advice as to who to pick you know what to look out for
0: very good points for sure
1: shifting gears a little bit while we're on the topic of like the job hunting thing so There are multiple types of people that you'll run into in the job search. And we kind of touched lightly about this earlier, but I want to get your opinion on some key differences. But one side is like, you're talking to people that are part of that company, right? So recruiters, you know, part of the recruiting team at that company, you know, they're full time employees that work there. On the other side, and and what's really common in, in today's day and age, because like hiring is on such a big, you know. there's so many jobs out there, Um, companies are outsourcing agencies to recruit for them as well, just because of how competitive the market is. And, you know, companies just wanna find people to fill seats as soon as possible. So what do you think are the some differences between talking to someone who's part of the company versus talking to someone who's part of an agency?
0: So I guess, you know, from my experience, the first main difference is if you're talking to an outside agency, that's probably just one extra layer that you're gonna have to go through. But I, I almost feel like they're on more of like a, I don't know the best term to use. Like as a, as a potential candidate, I feel like they're more along the lines of quantity over quality. Whereas whenever I'm getting emails, or LinkedIn messages from external recruiters that don't work directly with the company, they're pitching me roles that I'm not even, it's not even in the same sphere of my skill set. And it's like, did you even look at my profile? Like, did you, like, where is this coming from? Like, why are you reaching out to me for an iOS developer position in Ohio? You, You know what I mean? Like, it has nothing to do with anything that I would, you know? So like, yeah. I feel like whenever I'm getting like a vendor or external recruiter, it's like that. Also something to keep in mind with those external recruiters, I do believe that they get either, I don't know the, the pay structure, but either the commission on you being placed into a role or it could even be, I've heard it, this a couple of years ago, I don't know if it's still the same, but a percentage of your salary once you're placed in the role. Um, so they that's like the, their pay structure. So it's obviously they're incentivized to like, like just cast a wide net and then have it filter in in the later stages to may, hopefully have a good candidate land a role. Um, whereas internal recruiters, so these are full time employees that work at the company that are recruiting people, I feel like their outreach might be a little more targeted, specific, it might be a better match, for potential match for the the candidate in the company. And they know more about the company. You know, they're working at the company every day. They know what the org structure is like. They know, you know, they'll know the benefits package, the org structure, the team, the growth of the company, all of that stuff, right? So they have more information. This is just, again, my personal opinion, but the internal recruiters will have more information. And when they reach out, Um, it's going to be more, more relevant to the people that they're reaching out to. So that's what I've noticed, you know, main difference wise.
1: How about you? I mean, like you, I've had, you know, my bad fair share of experiences with agencies, but I will say this, and this goes with some of the startups I've worked at, but startups in general, a lot of the times they won't initially hire internal recruiters. So they'll actually like exclusively work through agencies And so I think it just depends, right? Like, and this is always going to be the answer that I give in terms of like agencies. I think the ones that work with startups as kind of the, you know, the main recruiting arm of the company, I think those folks are actually super valuable because those agencies, they tend to sit down with the founders and like really get the gist of what they're looking for. Because at the end of the day, like at a startup, you're looking for something super specific because You need that person in place in order to grow some part of the company, right? Versus there's like lots of bigger companies who have both like recruiters internally and agencies working for the same role just because they want all hands on deck. And I think those folks will probably be more about quantity over quality. I think we've kind of reached a point where tech is so big at this point where like it's inevitable to run into agencies at this point, right? Uh, and I think agencies in general are getting better. Yeah, they're incentivized to like fill roles, right? I think it's like twenty or twenty-five percent of the salary they get as commission, something like that, the first year's salary. But at the same time, companies have gotten a lot pickier over the years, right? So they're, I think they're also still nowadays incentivized to, you know, become more, become better, and like more. Proficient with the company than in, in previous lives. You're right, and I should have also mentioned. Like I
0: have had good experiences with external vendor recruiters. <laughs> so, just for the record, i i have I have landed a job through an external recruiter, and the experience was was very good. So, I should put that out there too. <laughs> Thanks for listening to today's episode, everybody. Our main takeaway from today's episode is. If you're in the interviewing process or starting the interview process, make sure that you position yourself very well. You have your resume up to date, you have your LinkedIn up to date, and you get in touch with your uh, ex-colleagues or teammates that are gonna help
1: you when it comes to references for your job search. Thanks for tuning into the show. Did you know that you could support Navigating Tech Life in a number of different ways? You can subscribe to the show in your listening app of choice. And if you're feeling extra motivated, leave a rating and a review. You can also share this episode or any of your favorite episodes with someone you think that might enjoy our content. We'd also love to engage with you.
0: Drop us a follow on LinkedIn by searching Navigating Tech Life and visit our website at ntlcast.com.